Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome into the CHGO White Sox podcast presented by PointsBet. Use promo code CHGO when you sign up to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000. I'm your host, Sean Anderson. We are broadcasting to you live from the CHGO studios here in the West Loop. We are in Studio A. We got the A-team of the CHGO White Sox podcast. Alongside me, I got Herb Lawrence joining me. You can follow him on Twitter at Ecknerwall23 as Shakia Taylor uh, now donned him, the uncle of White Sox Twitter, so... Thanks for joining us, Unc. It's not great. <laughs> because I'm old and have bar- terrible advice. Uh, your advice and has been pretty shoes, solid for me. You, you've, led me. you've led me down some uh, solid paths in my life, Uncle. Uh, you can follow <laughs> White Sox, uh, CHGO White Sox on Twitter, at CHGO underscore White Sox. You can follow CHGO Sports on Twitter, at CHGO underscore Sports. We have to introduce the rest of the team out in Arizona. He'll join us soon. It's Vinny Duber. You can follow him on Twitter, at Vinny Duber. He's down in Arizona. He watched... One spring training game today, and uh, we'll get updates from him. He also spoke to Tim Anderson. We'll have exclusive quotes from TA that Vinny got, so we're excited to talk to him. But before we get into all of that, we have to introduce our guest. It is Guest Week here on CHGO White Sox Podcast, and our guest today of Sox Machine. He is the host of the Sox Machine Podcast. You can follow him on Twitter at Sox Machine underscore Josh. Josh, we love that you have an underscore in your account. We Thank all you. do outside of Herb and Vinny. Josh <laughs> Nelson of Sox Machine. Welcome to the podcast. Oh my gosh. Thank you guys so much. First of all, this setup that you guys have at CHGO, I mean, this is impressive. I, I, I was telling you guys before the show, I was worried when you launched the show because the lockout was happening and I was wondering, how are you going to talk about the White Sox an hour, five days a week? And then you locked out. You, you missed right. <laughs> all of the fun podcasting in December and January during the lockout and you guys show up in the lockout. And so I have to thank you for that. Uh, that makes my life a lot easier, um, but it's great to talk about the White Sox, who actually played today. Well, you and you had you and Jim Margulis, uh, your partner on the the Sox Machine podcast, also Bennett Carroll, uh, having some some reoccurring appearances during the season uh, on the Sox Machine podcast. You guys were still going in December and yes. January. Was it str- a struggle to find content in those lockout those hundred days of the lockout? I have learned the importance of contractually obligated and what that <laughs> phrase means. Uh, <laughs> you know, you could do 2021 season reviews and it, it is nice to go in depth after the season and have lengthier conversations on the core players for the Chicago White Sox. And when you are in this competitive window now for the White Sox, it's a lot more of a fun. It's, it's a lot more fun to talk about than 2018 Ugh. or 2019 where uh, hey, is Daniel Polka someone? <laughs> is is Ryan Cordell? Could he possibly be the long term right fielder? There might Charlie be something Tosa with AJ Reed. Yeah. <laughs> we spent a lot of time talking about players who did not stick <laughs> around. Uh, so I really enjoy the period that we are in right now for White Sox fans and just the excitement that's buzzing around this team. And I think. Everyone is with high anticipation for opening day in Detroit to see how this team fares after last season. I was just wondering, like, I never knew the origins of Sox Machine. How did you and Jim Margulis get together and say, you know what, let's do this? So Jim is a Missouri Tiger, so Uh, I apologize. I mean... Uh, on his perfect. behalf. He won't apologize, but <laughs> he, he's a Missouri Tiger. So in 2005, he started blogging about the White Sox because he took a, an editor position in Albany, New York for their newspaper. 
Uh, but he still wanted to write. So he was writing about the White Sox in 2005, called it Sox Machine, which, you know, what a time to start writing about the White Sox. And I think it's like 2010 or 2011, uh, SB Nation, Vox Media came knocking and asked him to take over Southside Sox. Okay. So he was running Southside Sox from like 2010, 2011 to when we moved over back to Sox Machine. I started podcasting for the 2014 season and we decided to go independent again and he still kept socks machine alive. So he's like, you want to come with me? Absolutely. I don't want to end this partnership. So it was a great move for us to, to move to be an independent outlet for the Chicago white Sox. And, you know, we've been running since uh, January 1st, 2018. We got big things planned, and hopefully they do come to fruition this upcoming year. Uh, he's now a dad, yeah. which is Congrats, exciting. Jim. I Last year I moved full-time to Bridgeport, so now I am a, a Southsider officially for more than a year. And uh, things are going great. So what was pre-2014 Josh Nelson doing? You mentioned before the show you were talking to Corey Hart in Milwaukee. What was the lead-up <laughs> to, to Sox Machine? Yeah, back in the day. I went to <laughs> UW Oshkosh for college. Uh, left school, graduated in 2008. Great time uh, to join the industry as the recession hit and everything became unpaid internships. I was just lounging around in comment sections and forums for the Chicago White Sox. Speaking with other White Sox fans or writing, you know, arguing actually with other White Sox fans online. And it came up that, hey, we should have a podcast for Southside Sox. Oh, I know how to do that. That's what I went to school for. And with you guys being the West Loop, I used to do business development for a production company not that far away from here or was here uh, just a couple blocks away. So I always had these multimedia skills. And then we started. Uh, with the podcast in 2014, and it, it has grown. It's always funny. I always run into people like, hey, uh, long-time listener, first-time caller in the Twitter space. I've been <laughs> listening to you since the Kansas City meltdown in 2016. <laughs> oh, what a great time that was to <laughs> start listening. Uh, uh, 23 to 10 to 33 and thir uh, 36. I'll never forget that. Uh, but that was pretty much me in, uh, before we started doing the podcast, and uh, it's grown to what it is today. And how are you become? How did you become a White Sox fan? That's what we like to ask our guest in here. What are your White Sox origins? So I used to live in Champaign when I was a kid, about six years old. And unfortunately, my dad died in a drunk driving accident solo. And uh, after that, I spent a lot of time with my grandpa down in Florida. And he was getting me into baseball. He lived in Bradenton, Florida. But he took me to Sarasota Sox games. Oh. Uh, that's when the White Sox were still spring training in Sarasota. The Mosquitoes, my Lord, <laughs> I still remember the Mosquitoes. Uh, but then into, you know, buying baseball cards and such. And this is 1991 going to 1992. I get a Frank Thomas card, mm -hmm. and he's larger than life. And I just stuck with Frank Thomas, and Bo Jackson was cool, and, you know, Jackson, the 93 team. And when the White Sox were making their run in 1993, it just it was easy to love that team and it's still one of my favorite teams ever as a White Sox fan and that that's kind of how I've just stuck with it and you know for opening days at an homage to my grandpa he was a real estate agent in Florida and I would tag along for some visits we always stopped at a donut shop because he loved the coffee there but he would always give me a blueberry donut so if you follow me on Twitter on opening day and this will happen again on Friday uh, April 8th uh, I'll have a blueberry donut to celebrate opening day as that's uh that's my opening day tradition it's extremely cool. sweet story yeah. right there Awesome. I mean, not to be corny, too, with the donut being sweet, but, uh, you know, very nice connection there. <laughs> I didn't even get uh, that, but, yeah. Yeah, uh, well, you know, I try to be uh, uh, smart here. But uh, you, uh, something I like about Sox Machine and, and your coverage and Jim's coverage uh, is the use of analytics, the use of data. You're wearing the shirt right now. If you hear any noise, it's just me and the boys babbitting. Uh, so <laughs> we've talked to a lot of Sox fans so far. We've talked to Buzz, who's more of a casual, you know, like diehard Sox fan. Nick Morowski, who bleeds with every single pitch. Shakia Taylor, who's more focused on like the human interest. I love parts. her coverage, by the way. She's she does. The she does great job. I, I, and again, she's even if she was the only thing she gave me yesterday was Uncle Herb. Like even if that was the only <laughs> thing she said, uh, that is what she'll be remembered for. Uh, but how would you describe your fandomhood? Like how would you describe, or at least your baseball coverage and, and the way that mm -hmm. you view baseball? 
How would you, you know, how do you dissect a season? So we interviewed someone last year and they ultimately didn't take the position and they've gone to bigger and better things. And when we asked them, how would you describe Sox Machine? They said academic. You guys are the ones trying to answer the question, why? And we, Jim and I looked at each other in the, the Google meet and didn't even like, we never thought of that. And we're like, oh, we should have thought of that years ago. That's a great <laughs> tagline. But that's what we aim for is just answering the question why, because you can get the who, you can get the what, and you get the when. Vinny does a fantastic job getting those types of sound bites and the in-depth stories that fuel our White Sox fandom. But the why, why is Rick Hahn thinking like this? Why is Tony La Russa making these adjustments to the lineup? Why are the White Sox operating the way that they are as far as like an organization? And why are they spending money now and they weren't spending money in the past? That's what we focus a lot of our time on Sox Machine is the why. Why should I care about this? And it, it does take a, a lot of thought. And when the White Sox did their rebuild, they put a focus into being more analytical. All right, well, then we got to get caught up. What are the best teams doing in Major League Baseball when it comes to analytics? And how can we bring that into our coverage as well? Because it's just not about the White Sox and being homers and be like, oh my gosh, everything the White Sox do is amazing. Right. <laughs> we were focusing, what are the Houston Astros doing on their rise? What fueled the Dodgers turnaround after ownership changed? How can the Tampa Bay Rays continue to be this competitive in the American League East when you've got New York and Boston spending the money they do, and you got a $90 million payroll? So we try to incorporate everything else that's happening in the league, the whys, and also contribute it to our White Sox coverage. And listen, we butt a lot of heads uh, in the White Sox fandom, especially in social media for White Sox fans that – maybe are more on the casual side and be like, hey, man, I had a hard day at work. I just want to watch the game and hope that they do well. Mm -hmm. That's great. There's a lot of us like that. But for the diehards that are always asking or want to engage in that conversation, we try to be there for them. And I uh, love that coverage because for lack of a better term, you guys don't dumb it down for the casual, like regular everyday guy. You say, this is what we're talking about. You get up to our level. Like, is that... Uh, fair assessment that you guys do that. Uh, just don't go down, down to the lowest common denominator, but you want to stay at a level. And if you guys can go with us, cool. If you can't, there's other avenues to go down. Yeah, that is a fair assessment because of our followers and our diehard readers and all of those that support us on Patreon for years and have been used to reading Jim for decades now. That's the expectation. If we attempt to dumb it down, they, they roll their eyes and be like, well, what are you doing? Mm -hmm. Oh, well, there's a whole new audience. Who cares about them? I visit <laughs> your site every single day. I listen to your podcast all the time. I'm comparing you, what I listen to on 670 to the score, you know, for example. Uh, so, yeah, we don't want to ever dumb it down because at times, and you've been doing this for a while, Herbie, that could be insulting to sports fans. Yeah. You never want to be insulting someone's intelligence by dumbing things down or speak at a kindergarten level. Yeah. You also don't want to talk over their heads either if they don't get it. So there is that happy balance that we always strive for. That's cool. And something we always strive for is figuring out who is the former favorite current player or former favorite former player mm -hmm. of the White Sox and current favorite player of the White Sox. So we've gotten three answers so far from all of our guests. Who's your favorite former sock? Who's your favorite current sock? Well, Frank Thomas. Because <laughs> the big hurt, he's the reason why I became a White Sox fan. I have a soft spot for first baseman. And when Jose Abreu joined the White Sox and just the immediate impact that he provided that team, if you recall, he almost killed Hawk Harrelson. When he hit that walk-off <laughs> grand slam against Tampa Bay, I thought Hawk was going to have a heart attack <laughs> on the call. Uh, and it was against Grant Belfour. Literally, I was going to bring that up because <laughs> I hate him. Yeah. Uh, just oh, those memories of that playoff series uh, and the way that he just talked trash on the mound. For Orlando Cabrera, who was also a, a bad guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No one's a winner there. But the fact that Abreu did that, and I just latched on to Jose Abreu. And what's tough about talking about the White Sox now, and, and Vinny, and I know James Fegan of The Athletic, they've been asking really good questions to Jose Abreu lately, is what's next? He is a free agent after this year, and we have seen what happened in Atlanta. The Braves got a very good first baseman in Matt Olson, 
and they signed a Atlanta native to an eight-year deal, and he's going to stick around. But what about the White Sox? We have been so spoiled over decades to have Frank Thomas and then Paul Konerko, and now we got Jose Abreu. Is Andrew Vaughn next in line? Is it Gavin Sheets that's next in line? We're, we're kind of entering this unknown territory, but I just love everything about Jose Abreu, the way that he conducts himself, getting the couple of times to interview him as well. He is this big teddy bear that hits 35 home runs a season and drives in more than 100 RBIs. And one day, 79 is going to be retired. And I think he deserves a statue in the concourse. I I think we all agree on this podcast, too. The more and more we've talked about him, especially with the comments he made yesterday, uh, you know, very, very important player to this franchise. And you, you, you're giving me a perfect segue, too. You mentioned Vinny asking Jose Abreu about these questions. So let's go out to Arizona. Let's go to the man who saw some live baseball for the first time in a couple of months. Vinny Duber, you can follow him on Twitter, at Vinny Duber. Vinny, you talked to a, a special guy on the White Sox today about uh, Jose Abreu, huh? It's true. And, and, you know, I don't want to wreck your segue, Sean, but I got to jump in here. But Josh, you never need to apologize for anybody for being a Missouri Tiger. Come on now. <laughs> I knew it was but, coming. Uh, I was going to say I was going to say the two best White Sox writers happen to be Missouri Tigers. I don't think that's a coincidence. You're giving me you're giving me flashbacks too. talking about uh, the is Daniel Palka part of the uh, White Sox future <laughs> stories. I think I wrote about six of them uh, over the course of time, but. Oh, man. No, but to fast forward to today. Yeah, I talked to Tim Anderson today about a couple of things, and one of them was definitely Jose Abreu and the comments that he made yesterday. Uh, It doesn't seem like these comments blindsided his teammates. I got to be honest with you. From what Aloy Jimenez was saying yesterday, you know, his whole we'll see what happens at the end of the year. And then Yohan Moncada said something similar today in a group interview. I got to talk to Tim Anderson, and he had a little bit more to say, but obviously still very positive. But the thing that struck me was – he said, you know, we, we, we want to reward Jose Abreu with something here at the end, if, uh, end of this season. If this is the end of the season and the end of the career for Jose Abreu, this is the end of his time in a White Sox uniform. I can't think of anybody who deserves that World Series ring more than him. And, you know, I, I think that his teammates, you know, they recognize that. I, I, I go back to Tony La Russa saying earlier this week, he delayed his welcome to spring training speech to the team because Jose Abreu was arriving a day later than everybody else. And he said, <laughs> you can't have the team mess, the team message, the team speech without Pito. So, I mean, listen, you can go back. I'm sure I've got a story every month from me being on this beat of, you know, here's how much the White Sox love Jose Abreu. Here's what Jose Abreu means to players X, Y, and Z. Uh, and it's not just those guys that we talk about all the time, Aloy, Luis Robert, and, and Yohan Moncada. It's the whole team. I mean, we've heard t- not just T.A., but but Lucas Giolito say stuff about how he's the leader. New guys like Liam Hendricks coming in and talking last year about all those times that Abreu got hit by a pitch. Even Andrew Vaughn relaying some of the stuff that, that Jose had taught him about playing first base in spring training. So, I mean, listen, this is a guy who's had an outsized impact on this team, uh, specifically since when they started this rebuilding process. And I think why yesterday was such a big deal, at least in my mind, was because you go back three years to while they were still rebuilding, Rick Renneria was still the manager. We had you know, no idea really if this was gonna work. The signs were pointing to yes, but we didn't know if this was gonna work. And who was the most excited person to be a part of this future? It was Jose Abreu. He gave us the line at the all-star game. If they don't sign me, I'm going to re-sign myself. <laughs> and, you know, it, it was it was a joke, but it was also true, right? And and it showed you what he thought, thought of this team and how much he wanted to be a part of it. And yesterday was in such stark contrast to that, that I think that this has been something worth talking about. And when you hear Tim Anderson say, we got to reward him with, and I'll use Tim's words, something dope. <laughs> Again, that's not something that an uncool person like me can say. So I'll quote T.A. But uh, but yeah, you hear that and you think, you know what? They already wanted to win the World Series in a bad way. But now there's maybe just a little bit extra, so a new layer to this. This is we got to win one for Jose. Yeah, and you can check out Vinny's article. He talked to T.A. today, allchgo.com. Usually that's behind a paywall to only members, but that is free. You can read it right now. And let's hear from the man T.A. himself about Jose Abreu. I think the question that you led off with was, are you shocked? Were you shocked by the comments that Jose Abreu made yesterday? 
I mean, I'm always with, you know, whatever uh, Brady says um, and however he feels. Um, he never let me wrong, never. You know, I, I've been with him since I got here, and, uh, and I've seen his growth. I've seen, you know, everything about him. So I'm always going to, you know, follow his lead. Uh, I mean, for the most part, yeah, we want him around. But, I mean, we get it. <laughs> you know, we get it. So if you go out and do what he's supposed to do, supposed to do then we definitely, you know, I'm always going to cheer him on, always going to root for him, always going to want him back. Um, I mean, we was in the same situation three years ago, and and what happened? He went out and had a heck of a heck of a, um, a season. Um, so I think this year is going to be a great year for him, and hopefully we can keep pushing, keep pushing, and uh, you know, reward him with something dope. Yeah, it was. I mean, that was going to be my next question. I yeah. mean, like, is is obviously you guys have had this World Series goal for years now. Right, right, right. You guys are all trying to do it for for this team and for right. yourselves. But I mean, is there does that add something to it? Is this kind of a you know yeah. win one for him kind of thing here at this? Yeah, year? I mean, he's been, he's, he's the ones that started all this off. Um, so I think it would be, be very rewarding um, if he was, you know, to, to do it with us um, or to, co- to continue to, you know, try to, um, you know, compete throughout this window with us to, uh, to get it. Um, but for the most part, we do understand the business. We understand the game and underst- understand, you know, the front office side of things. Uh, and things not going to always go the players' way. So, uh, you know, we get it. But uh, for the most part, we'll definitely be rooting him on. And uh, I definitely like him as my first baseman, definitely. His personality and energy, we definitely need it. <laughs> so, Josh, you weren't here yesterday when we talked about this, the, the Abreu comments, and now we have T.A. giving a little bit more color here. But are you surprised that this is the narrative coming out of spring training around Jose Abreu, the fact that maybe he is pondering retirement or even leaving the White Sox if things don't go right and they don't win a World Series this year? Look at Freddie Freeman and the situation with the Atlanta Braves. And now Freddie Freeman is going to be wearing Dodger blue. I think everyone involved in Major League Baseball understands more than ever after the lockout, this is a business. And if after this year, the Chicago White Sox have a change of heart and they don't want to sign Jose Bray to another contract because they like Andrew Vaughn and they like Gavin Sheets and they think that they are next in line to play at first base, well, they everyone in the clubhouse knows that because Vaughn and Sheets are already here. Mm -hmm. So they could see the accession of these two young players of the Chicago White Sox. It's almost like writing on the wall. But Vinny and Herb and Sean, if if Abreu goes 35 homers and 120 RBIs (laughs) and hits 300 and makes the all-star team, wins a silver slugger, has a dramatic moment like Konerko did in the postseason and helps the White Sox win a championship, and if Jerry Reinsdorf is still the chairman of the Chicago White Sox, I don't know how Abreu is not wearing a White Sox uniform next season. I, I think it's hazy, but I wouldn't say it's a foregone conclusion that Abreu will not be with the White Sox next year. I agree. And I was thinking, like, White Sox front office would like to have Andrew Vaughn or Sheets take over that role if Jose were to leave. But they're not, like, pushing him out the door Hey, get out of here. They would probably love to have him back. 35, 36-year-old Jose Abreu probably still can compete for a couple more years, and this window is still open. If Jose's the leader, I would still have him on the team no matter what. Even if his skills have diminished a little bit, which they haven't yet, there's no reason to force him out of there. I, a couple years ago, famously was saying, hey, get rid of Jose right before his uh, MVP season because I thought he was coming down, but no. Jose Abreu has proven me wrong time and time again. So this time I'm like, hey, man, if Jose (laughs) wants to come back, I don't see the White Sox front office, especially Jerry Reinsdorf, saying, hey, it's been real. We got Andrew Vaughn. Deuces. Yeah, and Herb was very, very, you know, adamant in that take. Like, I mean, I think that he would would want to place a bet on it. And the best place to place a bet on it is PointsBet. The best way to support CHGO is to download the PointsBet app and use code CHGO when you sign up. If you do that right now, you'll get two risk-free bets up to $2,000. But that's not it. If you make it $50 or more first-time deposit, you'll receive a free CHGO membership, which unlocks all of our web content, and you'll even get a free shirt of your choice from the CHGO locker. That's $2,000 in free bets, a free CHGO membership, and a free T-shirt shirt from the CHGO Locker, all for making a $50 first-time deposit at PointsBet. If you have any questions, you can email PointsBet at AllCHGO, and we will help you out. It is your home for live in-play betting, and it just got even better, introducing PointsBet's new feature, live college basketball same-game parlays. For the first time ever, you can build the perfect live same-game parlay only with PointsBet, and the best feature of PointsBet, my favorite feature, is their boost. You can live that same-game parlay, so if you like your odds, you can even boost your odds to get more money in your pocket. 
Online signup is also back and available in Illinois. You can download the PointsBet app right now and register your account all from start to finish from your phone. And plus, during PointsBet's Match Madness, all users can earn up to $100 in free bets. During each round, just place a $50 pregame wager and a free $20 live bet to be used for that round and get a free dollar uh, and get a free $20 live bet to be used for that round. So what are you waiting for? Once the game starts, don't just bet. Live your bet life with points bet. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. And guys, you know, I, I didn't have a full-time job before this. CHGO has been a great outlet for me. And this is my first full-time job. I've been trying to get into more of a routine. And our next partner has a product that I literally use every day. I started taking AG1 because I wanted to get more on a schedule. I wanted to start feeling a little bit more healthier, start my days with more energy. And I've been taking this for about the past two weeks. And it you know, it doesn't taste super healthy, Herb. I know you've been putting it in your water. It has kind of a mild tropical taste. And I look forward to it each and every morning. It gives me that boost. It starts me on my new schedule. And you might be asking, what is AG1s? With one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamin, minerals, whole foods, source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This blend of special ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging, all the important things you need. It's lifestyle-friendly, whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, uh, dairy-free, or gluten-free. It costs less than $3 a day. You're investing in your health, and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit or your Diet Dr. Pepper <laughs> habit, Josh Nelson. Uh, and Athletic Greens has over 7,000 five-star reviews. So what are you waiting for? Go try Athletic Greens, and they make it easy. Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel plaques with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.chgosocks. That is athleticgreens.com.chgosocks. Take ownership over your health and pick the ultimate daily nutritional insurance with Athletic Greens. Now, Vinny, we're going to go back out to you. You talked to somebody else. This was not an exclusive, but you you chatted with Craig Kimbrell. What was the vibe around him? Because we heard Rick Hahn talk about, you know, they, they're looking to deal him. Tony LaRusso expects him to be on the opening day roster, but he even said that, you know, it's baseball. Anything could happen. So what did Craig Kimbrell have to say about himself and his place on the White Sox roster? Yeah, I think uh, Craig Kimbrell is with a lot of White Sox fans in that it sounds like he expected to be traded by now. He expected to to be with a different team. Uh, but I think the thing that White Sox fans really should appreciate is that Craig Kimbrell is saying all the right things. Uh, I, I think when when he came over last year, I think everybody was bracing for a closer controversy, right? It's like, all right, the two best closers in baseball are on the same team. And, and oh no, what's going to happen? You know, for better or for worse, right? Because, you know, but Liam Hendricks remained the best closer in baseball. They never took that job away from him. And Craig Kimbrell obviously struggled in a setup role. Um, but the whole time, Craig Kimbrell has not been like, oh man, I really want to close. I love closing. If I don't get to close, I'm going to, you know, cause a whole stink. That didn't happen. And that's not happening now either, even after the results were what they were. Now, listen, I think Tony LaRusso was telling the absolute truth when he said the other day, Craig Kimbrell likes it here, but he also likes closing. And and it's very possible that from a production slash results slash cold hard numbers standpoint, Craig Kimbrell's best fit is for him personally is somewhere where he can be a closer and he can be the guy that goes out there in the ninth inning. But what he said over and over again today was that the best fit for him from a entire standpoint, getting off just the back of the baseball card and looking at the whole person is a place where he can win. And I think you hear that over and over again from everybody who joins up with this team now. You know, Josh, we go back to the days when I was writing, is is this Dylan Covey's uh, time to jump into <laughs> oh, the long-term starting gracious. rotation? And people <laughs> coming in were not talking about being in a place to win, right? And, and now, though, everybody that does, whether it was Tony LaRusso last year or Joe Kelly two days ago, they say – this is an opportunity to put another ring on my finger. Craig Kimbrell said the same thing today. And so if he stays here, and again, it's no certainty what's going to happen because we are still in the middle of the offseason in terms of moves being made, even though we watched a spring training game today, two of them maybe if you had a good uh, channel changer at home. But, uh, you know, and we, and we saw spring training going on, players getting ready for the season, but players still need to find new homes too. And so this is all going on concurrently. It's weird. We don't know where Craig Kimbrell is going to end up, but if he stays here with the White Sox, he is ready to do whatever Tony La Russa asks him to do. He's going to do it to the best of his ability because he wants to help 
a winning team win a championship. He wants another one of those rings. And so that's what's going through his mind right now. And I think White Sox fans can appreciate that, even though the last time they saw him on the mound, it was the end of a very rough two-month stretch uh, in a White Sox uniform. And Vinny, what's your read on why Craig Kimball's still a White Sox? Is it because the White Sox overestimated what Craig Kimball's market is? Or do they actually like what he can bring to the table when he starts the season off with them? I think multiple things can be true. I think I, I think in in a world of uh, you know sports opinions on social media, we get locked into a to an attitude where there has to be one right answer. And I think there can be multiple right answers. And I think that the White Sox would. I don't say they would like to trade him, but I think there's a reason that he hasn't been traded or that there's a reason that he would be traded in that the back end of that bullpen is a position of big time strength. He makes $16 million next year. They have an ability to either a go out and give that money to somebody else or otherwise immediately benefit this team with a trade acquisition. And when you're trying to do that, when you're trying to address an, a need on the roster, you want to be able to trade from a position of strength. The back end of the bullpen is that right now, and Craig Kimbrell is a trade candidate. He has been very weirdly since Rick Hahn talked about it openly at the GM meetings, which is something that Rick Hahn does not do very often. So Craig Kimbrell remains a trade candidate. Uh, you know, obviously in, a, in an offseason where we didn't have a three-month transaction freeze, he might have been traded a long time ago. But this is the reality. He's at White Sox camp, and, and we'll see what happens. This could go into the season, guys. You never know. You know what I mean? I, th I think this is a weird, weird year, and you can't put an end date on when these moves are going to be made. But Craig Kimber right now, from a personal standpoint, is a member of the White Sox bullpen. And if you look at the track record, obviously that Cubs tenure was as up and down as up and down can be. But if you look at a guy who's going to potentially be in the Hall of Fame one day, it's not a bad thing to have in a back-end mix of five guys in a bullpen. So it, 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 there's, a, there's a lot going on here, and I think Craig Kimbrell uh, knows all of that, too. And one of the comments posted here, I don't know if you could see it, Vinny, but it says, uh, Ferris said there's a reason the Cubs traded him, just saying. I, I think it was mainly because they were uh, below 500 at the trade deadline, Josh. They were 51 and 55 and, and when in Rick July. Hahn, and, and if you're Jed Hoyer, Rick Hahn calls and says, we're interested in Craig Kimbrell. Two weeks later, Han calls again and says, I'm willing to give you Nick Madrigal. That would be a sufficient reason for the Chicago Cubs to make that trade is, all right, yes, we're going to be in this reload mode. We'll take on your starting second baseman if you don't want Madrigal anymore. He, he may work better at Wrigley Field at a guarantee rate field. Yeah, I don't know if Kimbrell's bad. I don't know if this is going to be the downfall of his career. I, I think that he's shown that, you know, 2018 – the length of the season, mm -hmm. he started to fall off. 2021, the length of the season, he started to fall off. If he's able to fix his conditioning, he might be still a, a very effective pitcher. There was a reason the White Sox had that high price tag. That was right. the same price tag that they were willingly or reportedly willing to give up for Corbin Burns before uh, last year's season. Um, something that we mentioned, though, before uh, the show, you, man of my own heart, said that the White Sox should have qualified Carlos Rodon <laughs> and then, you know, just ate the million dollars to buy out Craig Kimbrell. I, I, and you said that this might be a storyline heading into July um, is that something that's still on your mind right now or is it something that you know you think you'll need time to truly figure out what that move should have been because again going back to the, the yeah. why of Sox machine you know that's what you guys figure out yeah the dangers of first guessing moves right and making content every day and you're, you're first guessing on what the White Sox really should have done and 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 Vinny made a really good point there could be multiple right answers and We'll see. I mean, if Kimbrell continues to struggle in April and it's May and it's June 1st and maybe he blows a save against the New York Yankees and White Sox fans are rolling their eyes and be like, man, we can't trust him to hand the ball off to Liam Hendricks. Who's going to trust to trade for Kimbrell before the July trade deadline? Then you're going to have some people look back into November and say, maybe you should have flip-flopped, Han. Maybe you should have given the qualifying offer to Rodon, get that draft pick. Then again, you never know with Scott Boris and how he's going to manipulate that market. But the $1 million buyout, could you spend the other $15 million on, a, on another position need? But Vinny, the question I have for you when it's regarding Craig Kimbrell is what is the White Sox spring training plan? Because there's one option of you need Kimbrell to ramp up and get ready for opening day. But you may also need to showcase him 
to other teams that may be interested or maybe they have another injury during spring training that, oh my gosh, our closer's gone for the season. We need a closer. Let's call Rick Hahn. How are they going to balance the amount of appearances we're going to see Kimbrell in games compared to bullpen sessions? Yeah, I think he's probably going to get the same amount of bullpen action as the other guys at the end of that bullpen. And I, I think that would be what Tony LaRusso's plan would be. Uh, we talked to, to him today about, you know, some specifics in terms of, are you going to use guys back-to-back in games? How many mm-hmm. starts are you going to give the starters in Cactus League? And yeah, it all sounded pretty normal to me, to be honest with you. Um, I think you got two things when you're talking about Craig Kimbrell uh, being you know, interested uh, an interesting trade acquisition for another team. Number one is the, the guy's got a track record a mile long. You don't need to, you know, you know, you don't need to scratch your head and be like, Oh, I wonder if this Kimbrel guy, what's his deal. You know what I mean? He's a, he's a guy that obviously has been around for a very long time. The other thing I would say is what I just mentioned, maybe deals going past opening day. You talk about, Oh man, a, 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 a team loses their closer to an injury and they need somebody who's experienced in that role in mid-April, in early May. Well, the White Sox maybe could benefit from having Kimbrell throw a, a, a half of a month, a month, a month and a half, and kind of get rid of the taste of how things ended in 2021. There's maybe a potential upside there that does not exist today in that the most recent evidence a team could have, if it's a month down the road, could be overwhelmingly positive as opposed to, you know, overwhelmingly negative, which the last two months of the season were for Kimbrell last year. So the guy has had such an up and down career in recent years. It's very hard to predict what's going to come next for a reliever in general, let alone someone who went from losing the Cubs closer job to being one of the best closers in baseball to going to become a setup man and, and failing in, you know, somewhat spectacular fashion there for the White Sox. So, and, and doing that all in like the course of a year and a half. So uh, it's very, it's very uh, interesting to see what's going to happen with Kimbrell. I do think right now, truthfully, if he ends up staying here, they're going to be very happy with him at the back end of that bullpen as not necessarily a guy who you need to pin all your hopes on, but one head of a five-headed monster, a six-headed monster, if you want to include Garrett Crochet in that list of back-end guys, too, that could really help them be a, a relief uh, you know, monster uh, during the regular season, and hopefully they, they hope into the playoffs. The Super Bowl pen. Yeah, and with this weirdness <laughs> of this spring training, I know players just got in on Sunday and some on Monday. Did they speak about when we're going to have a regular starter rotation Guys are going to see a little bit more time. We just saw Liam Hendricks, the only real guy that's going to make the team uh, pitch today. But is there any indication of when the starters will get some Cactus League action? Well, you can do some math. I know math is not our, not my thing. at least not my strong suit. <laughs> Herb, you're with me on this one. But you can do some math because Tony LaRusso said he wants to get the starters three starts in Cactus League. That sounds like maybe it's it's. It, I'm not sure if the math is going to allow that or not. That's 15 days, but uh, we'll see, we'll see how that works. Uh, I'm sure it will work out the way that they feel comfortable uh, working it out. You're seeing guys, veterans, by the way, when they're throwing their live bullpens are already going. You know, a few innings. Dallas Keuchel, I think today went three. Lance Lynn was over on the other field. I was I was watching Dallas. Yeah, uh, we saw Dallas Keuchel. We saw your video. Yeah. Yeah. Don't don't at me, please. I mean. The, <laughs> I mean, listen, I don't even think I am like this big Dallas Keuchel defender, but I am I am just quick to remind people that he's on the team, and that enough allows my <laughs> Twitter to just explode. So every Dallas Keuchel fact that I present from here on out, whether it is Dallas uh, giving up a home run as he did today or Dallas striking out like seven people in a row, I'm just, just going to include don't at me because just the mere mention of his name seems to set everybody off at this point. Sean, you include Yes, uh, and I would love to use that $18 million to use on points bet. Uh, Pick of the week was Richmond, and imagine if I put $18 million, uh, Dallas Keuchel, how much he's making in 2022 on the Richmond Spiders. I wouldn't have to be doing this. Uh, And, you know, same way. You can enjoy points bet (laughs) by using code CHGO. When you sign up, you can get two risk-free bets up to $2,000, but if you make a $50 or more first-time deposit, you'll receive a free CHGO membership, which unlocks all of our web content, and you'll even get a free shirt of your choice from the CHGO locker. And again, that's my pick of the week. We, we, we want to give you out picks that are going to win. I gave you this on CHGO Bets Daily with Cody Del Mendo. 
Richmond upset in Iowa. That's a big pick. And if I had Dallas Keuchel's money, I would be richer if I used PointsBet. And you could use PointsBet. You could sign up right now. It's available in Illinois. Mobile sign-up is back. You can download the PointsBet app and register your account from start to finish, all from your phone. You'll be signing up with the fastest sportsbook, easier than ever, so you could start living your bet life in seconds. So what are you waiting for? Once the game starts, don't just bet. Live your bet life with PointsBet. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. And we got to mention CHGO, our lovely studios. We are very excited to have Josh Nelson here. If you want premium written articles, if you want to join our CHGO Discord, we call it the CHGO Lounge. And if you want a shirt, it's dope merch, as Luke Stuckmeyer calls it, you can go to allchgo.com and become a member. When you become a member, you get access to the free or I'm sorry, you get access to the premium written content. You get a free t-shirt and you will get access into our Discord. So it is a great value, allchgo.com. Let's go to the big topic though. It's the title of this. We're looking for some breaking news. We got some breaking news out of the NFL uh, that Devontae Adams is now a Raider, but no breaking news just yet. The uh, All is quiet on the MLB front as of right now. And uh, we got a little graphic here of free agents in right field because we're going to talk about will the White Sox add Michael Conforto? Is Nicholas Castellanos a fit for the White Sox? You can see the players up there. Chris Bryant to the Rockies, seven years, 182 million. Seiya Suzuki to the Cubs, five years, 85 million. Kyle Schwarber to the Phillies, four years, 79 million. Eddie Rosario to the Braves, two years, 18 million. But Conforto, Castellanos, and Soler are still unsigned. Josh, it feels like the biggest need for the White Sox fans, at least, is right field. I know you were stumping for Michael Conforto on Sox Machine, on the Sox Machine podcast. Yes. uh, For the White Sox to sign Michael Conforto as their right fielder. I know that's your guy. What would he add to the Sox if the Sox were to go out and make that big splash? Well, he is a right fielder who can play right field. Oh, that's new. Fascinating concept. <laughs> Andrew Vaughn was two for two uh, in the spring training game today against the Cubs with fly balls hit directly at him. So that's good. Uh, good sign. And uh, Vaughn hit a home run. But we know that Vaughn can hit left-handed pitching. The question is, can Vaughn be better against right-handed pitching? We're not going to know into the regular season. And we know that Andrew Vaughn is willing to try whatever and do what is ever asked upon him. And that is a positive attribute for a rookie. He's not a prima donna. He's not someone that's having the agent scream at Rick Hahn and say, no, he's only a first baseman. Do not sink my client's value by playing him in positions that he's never played before. That's not Andrew Vaughn's personality. So if the White Sox don't have another right fielder, and Tony La Russa goes to Vaughn's locker room spot and says, can you be my right fielder? Vaughn's going to do it. Right. He's going to do what's asked upon him. That's just the personality for Andrew Vaughn. I've kind of pivoted as far as how much of a concern or how much this topic is stressing me out because <laughs> there was a very good question that we debated, and this brings back Craig Kimbrell. Do the White Sox need to trade Kimbrell? In order to sign Michael Conforto, because now you have the competitive balance tax situation in which the White Sox are spending money. That is something that for years we've been asking the White Sox to spend like a major market team. And they have. And they are coming up to $200 million when it comes to competitive balance tax. The the number that really counts. I know their player payroll is around $180 million. But if you sign Michael Conforto along with the player benefits and minor league salaries and everything else that counts against the competitive balance tax, the White Sox could be right there at $230 million. Is that something the organization is willing to do? The Another big question, and this is Pandora's box, why hasn't Michael Conforto signed? Mm-hmm. Why is Nicholas Castiano still a free agent? I look at these two guys and ponder, what in the world is your market right now? Is Castiano seriously considering signing with the Miami Marlins? You can't say no because Chris Bryan signed with the Colorado Rockies yesterday. Right. He might sign with Baltimore. I mean, where would he play? Obviously. Obvi's like, get your ass out of here. <laughs> yeah. I'm Avi. Avi's <laughs> yeah. playing center field, evidently, yeah. which... I can't wait to see that. I cannot wait to see that. I always like that. When guys get older, they move to tougher positions. You know, that's, you know. Let's do it up. But with with Conforto, I think he helps provide balance to the lineup. And when you listen to Steve Stone call White Sox games, this was something that was even brought up early in the broadcast that he was doing at NBC Sports Chicago, is that the White Sox lineup is a little 
too heavy right-handed wise. And that's why Gavin Sheets is extremely important to the White Sox in 2022 because he's a pure left-handed hitter. He's not a switch hitter. Everybody else that bats left-handed in this lineup is a switch hitter. Mancada, Grandal, and Lurie Garcia when he's in the lineup. They don't have any pure left-handed hitters. Conforto would be that guy. And what I want to talk to you about, because you always try to figure out, like, how can the White Sox improve? How can they get better? You mentioned the San Francisco Giants. They're trying to build their pitching rotation to their ballpark. And I wonder why the White Sox don't build their lineup to their ballpark. They have the highest park factors for home runs for left-handed hitters. It made no sense to me. I know, uh, Herb, you were on the Schwarber train. I was, too. Jim Tomey thrived in the White Sox uh, uh, ballpark. I just don't understand why the White Sox wouldn't want to go add a premium left-handed bat because it seems like this would be a field for them to thrive in. There are times that past bad experiences for the White Sox scares them. Paying Adam Dunn a lot of money may scare them from paying premium dollars for another left-handed slugger. And the other factor is that this is a Scott Boris client. Mm Mm-hmm. What is Boris asking on behalf of Michael Conforto? Because we know that Conforto wasn't great for the entire 2021 season. If you look at his overall numbers, they are a little bit lacking. But if Boris is like, he's not signing below the qualifying offer, all right, well, you're at $18.75 million. How many years is he asking for? Well, he would love five, but he would also love an opt-out after the second season so he can retest free agency. And then other teams are just throwing their hands in the air, and it's like, well, if we sign him for five years, we have a five-year plan with them. I don't want to deal with this mess. After the second season, he opts out, and then I'm back at square one. However, if you are the Chicago White Sox and you have Oscar Colas and you got Yolki Cespedes in your farm system— You may only want Conforto for two years. So, Sean, this is why I keep circling back to Conforto and all the situations, and I know it's Boris, and I know negotiating's not fun with Scott Boris. But if, in the end, Conforto signs a five-year deal, but he's going to opt out after two years, that may work in the White Sox benefit. If Cespedes and Coloss do not pan out and don't reach the level that a lot of White Sox fans are optimistic about, Well, if Conforto loves Chicago and he doesn't want to leave, well, fantastic. You got a good right fielder for three more years. So this is why I keep going back, coming back to this is a great matchup for all parties involved. But I also keep coming back to Herbie. Why hasn't he signed, not just with the White Sox, but with anyone? I mean, I don't know if they consider Chris Bryant a right fielder or a third baseman, but I think the market is set right there. Chris Bryant making an annual average of $26 million, and you said he wants to make over the $18 million qualifying offer. So there's your, there's your money right there. I would sign Michael Conforto probably up $22 million would be the highest I would go if I'm the White Sox. I don't see him as a Chris Bryant type, and he did have a bad year last year, and he was injured. So, yes, I know that Scott Boris is driving a hard offer, but I think the White Sox need to stay after it because of your point a lefty bat right there, he would bat like 6th or 7th in this lineup. And, and that is what's so funny about this conversation is we are looking directly at the bottom of the lineup. This is the benefit of being a White Sox fan. Uh, Daniel Polka was batting cleanup for a lot of games <laughs> in 2018. A. A. Reed was oh, too. Matt Skull. Oh, man. Oh, my head. Sorry. How many articles did you write about A.J. Reed, Vinny? Any Matt Skull ones? I think the answer is too many, regardless of what the number was. Yeah, <laughs> Vinny, yeah. you you said. I mean, recently we clipped it on Twitter that you thought that the Sox were going to add a right fielder. So far, you, you said the tea leaves at least were reading that they might uh, add a right fielder. So far, we, we we saw the the list of free agents right now. It seems like it's only Castellanos, Soler, and Conforto. Are you still feeling like the tea leaves say that say, say are saying right fielder for the Sox? Yeah, I think they would have to right because I mean I think you look at. You look at what Rick said the other day when it came to second base, and I think a lot of us are still wondering, you know, even after we've seen that Josh Harrison is such a good fit from a clubhouse standpoint, we're still wondering, well, is he going to hit enough to be the the guy who was worth giving that second base job to? And so we'll see. That's, That's to be determined, obviously. But when Rick says that we're done at second base. When you get a guy who you, who a lot of people are thinking myself included, okay, maybe he would have been better as a, as a reserve or, or to, you know, to, to beef up your bench. I don't know if he's the everyday guy. And Rick said, we're stopping. He's the everyday guy at second base. 
it makes me think that they have to be looking somewhere else, right? Because I, I mean, listen, as, as much as um, everything that, that Josh just said about the White Sox makes a, makes a whole lot of sense, Rick Hahn knows that he's in an arms race right now. He's, he's the GM of a contending team. He's the GM of a team that's trying to win the World Series. And the last time they tried to win the World Series, the most recent time they did that, their power numbers were bad. Their lineup did not fare well against the Houston Astros. When you're a contending team, even when you do all of the work that Rick did to make this lineup one that's going to stay intact for the next several years with guys that they hope are all-stars on an annual basis, you got to do something to beef it up. And I, and I don't think that he thinks that this is enough in terms of the work that he's trying to do. Now, that being said, we don't know everything that he's tried to do this offseason. And how many times does he tell us, we, you know, the White Sox work better when, when no one's talking about them? They could have made yeah. offers to... 15 different free agents that nobody took or trade offers to 15 different teams that nobody took. And, and we just don't know that. But I think I look at Rick Hahn and I listen to Rick Hahn and I hear him say every day, we're going to pursue every opportunity to get better. And I believe him. And I think that whether they hit on it is a different story, but I think they've got to be trying to go get another bat to beef up this lineup just to be in contention with all these other teams that are doing exactly that right now. Yeah, I don't think he's not trying to improve the team, but I, I do think there's something about the aggressiveness. Like, yes, he's in an arms race, but, I mean, at, at this point, and we've seen this before with the White Sox, we've seen it with Machado. Like, they were at 275 when Machado wanted to be at 300. If Conforto wants to be at 22 and the Sox are at 20, like, it, it, I don't want to, I, like, would 2 million really break that relationship? Like, that's my worry, at least as a Sox fan. I don't know about you uh, Herb and Josh, but one thing that came out uh, recently, this is from Andy Martino of Doubleday Books, and he does uh, work for... Yeah, he covers the, the Mets out in New York. Yes, yeah. uh, SNY. He said the Mets offered Conforto a contract in the $100 million range last spring and would have gone to about $120 million, uh, per sources, and this was just housekeeping. Obviously, they're not going to keep him, but around that range, $100 million to $120, uh, we, we can bring up the, the stats again of, of who's signed and, and, and the averages. Uh, Bryant, 182 for, for seven, 85 for five for Suzuki, Schwarber, 79 for four. Uh, Conforto, are we expecting him to break that 20 range, that 22 range? Like, what is too much for Conforto? Or is that even, you know, when you're trying to win a World Series, is that really a fair question? What is too much? So studying Boris's past contracts that he's gotten for his clients, if you bring up that graphic again, look at the Kyle Schwarber contract and the Seiyu Suzuki contract. I believe Boris is going to try to beat those two contracts for his mm -hmm. client, Michael Conforto. But again, the opt-out. Because if Conforto goes back to his 2020 form, which I get why he turned down that $100 million contract. Mm -hmm. Because for a while there, it's like he could be a National League MVP type of candidate for the New York Mets. And then obviously he didn't follow that up closely at all in 2021. That's where he's in the position right now. Mm -hmm. I, I go back to even if you want to do 20 million, a five-year $100 million contract would be the first time that the White Sox have ever signed a player to a $100 million contract. Now, they have signed two contracts with Jose Abreu that have spanned nine years and over $100 million. So they have paid someone more than $100 million in their career, but that was over two contracts. But if Boris is wanting this swell pot, that is the type of contract that Boris loves to do. UC Kikuchi had one in Seattle where you have this mutual option or player option after the second year. And if the White Sox do sign that type of deal and Conforto opts out, well, two years, $40 million, I think they'd do that right now. You want Michael Conforto <laughs> at the end of two years to say bye. That means Michael Conforto kicked ass. That yeah. means that he mm -hmm. is kicking ass for the White now Sox, my, and hopefully he wins a World Series for him in those two years. Yeah, my, my price tag is now $25 because that's what I can get at the open market because I played so well. It's been real, Michael. Yeah. Thank you. Cool. <laughs> we got Colossus and Cespedes. Maybe yeah. they raked in Birmingham, and maybe it is their turn. Maybe so, Andrew Vaughn's a gold glover right fielder at this but point. But, again, <laughs> the more I have this conversation with, with everyone, it, it just does make me think – why is Conforto still a free agent? What is something that we are missing? I know the qualifying offers on him. I cover the MLB draft. I've been watching college baseball a lot this spring. 
My lord, that draft pick does not matter at all. This draft <laughs> class continues to get worse every single passing week on the college front. You're not going to miss anyone crucial in the second or third round right now that you're going to be crying over spilled milk because you don't have that draft pick. So I, I don't know why Conforto is still a free agent. I don't know why Cassiano is, st- is still a free agent. It, it is a bit baffling. And I, I'm hoping that we have some type of resolution in a week because I'm kind of tired talking about this, mm-hmm. but I'm still optimistic as a White Sox fan. It's still hopeful, Herbie, that it's going to come across. Vinny Duber, breaking news. Michael Conforto <laughs> signs with the Chicago White Sox. We crack a beer. We're super excited. Oh, yeah. Let's go. Get him to Glendale, Arizona. Get him into spring training, and the enthusiasm for opening day goes through the roof. And that's the thing too is like it doesn't matter what the money is, Herb. Like yeah. I don't, I don't care if, if if they say White Sox sign Conforto, I'm happy. And it I could be for twenty five for two. What Josh was saying though, if two. you sign him for a deal, you're going to be heading up against the competitive balance tax, and you still have Craig Kimbrell on the roster, so it's going to be like, okay, we don't want to be doing that. But I think maybe teams are thinking he's an enigma. Who's the real Michael Conforto? Yeah. Is it the 2019-2020 guy, or is that guy who just, in his walk year, put that type of effort out there where he was hurt and I think only played like 90 games? So, Boris is asking for 2020 money, which he should be. He should get the most money for his player, and he's still relatively young, what, 28, 29 Mm -hmm. years old? So, he should be getting premium money because I think you're going to be paying him during his premium years, and you're paying for performance, not in the past performance. So... I think teams are just like, which guy are we going to get? I don't want to pay $22 million to a guy that I don't know I, what he's going to get, see, even when he's healthy. Yeah, I, I understand, like, the, 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 the upswing. Like, you know, 2018, he was at, uh, you know, 122 OPS plus, 127 OPS in 2019, and then 101 OPS plus in 2021. But, I mean, you look over 2017 to 2021, he has given you 2,000 plate appearances and shown you that he's 30% better than an average hitter. Like, he has shown you consistently that – from the left side, that stroke is clean. He can play a clean right field. I don't understand what the, the concerns are. He just turned yeah. 29 on March 1st. I, I, I'm going to break your heart. <laughs> Since Maglio Dornius left oh. in 2004, the Chicago White Sox have only had five seasons in which their right fielder had a two-plus war season. Avi. Avi. Yep, all-star Avi. Adam Eaton. Adam Eaton in 2016. Two years, two years of Alex Rios. Okay. And, oh Germ- and Jermaine died in 2006. Alex Rios. They've had as many seasons where they've gotten negative war in right field since Mag- Maglio has left. Right field and third base have been a headache for the White Sox. Third base was magically resolved when Yohan Makata moved from second to third. All right, don't have to worry about third base anymore. <laughs> we found our third baseman. Uh, but right field has been a sticking point, and I, I think they're smart, they're smart spending an international market to get Cespedes and to get Colas. These guys could be future possibilities because the outfield logjam during the rebuild did not come to fruition, and it happens in player development. But if you are a World Series or bus team, and we are seeing the elite teams in the Major League mm-hmm. Baseball get a lot stronger... I think in order for me to take the White Sox serious as World Series or bust, they need to make a World Series or bust move. And I think that is Michael Conforto. And the other guy that was out there, and we'll get to wrap this up, but Castellanos, I think he fits culturally, vibe-wise. You know, a guy that really doesn't care, a guy that is very much, you know, very confident in himself. Uh, Is that a good consolation prize, Herb? I'll start with you. If he wants to play most of his games at designated hitter, yes. Like... I know That's paying $20-plus million dollars to a designated hitter is pretty bad, but he is a pretty bad right fielder. Um, but, yeah, his vibe is awesome. I love his everyday, his opening day type of a thing, and I love when he was with the Cubs. He was just mm-hmm. a spark plug for that team and almost drove him to the playoffs into a, su- a successful season. If that guy shows up, the two years he had in Cincinnati were phenomenal, mercy. Like, the, the hitting will be there but we'll have the problem of being too right-handed again. So it's a good problem to have if you have that right-handed hitter, but if we're paying the same or equal money, I would rather have Michael Conforto. Is it a good consolation prize? Yeah, he's going to hit 40 homers. Right. He he might be a a two-and-a-half, three-war player. He's going to hit a lot of homers at home, and 
this lineup is already going to hit a lot of home runs. And it would be we would be judging that signing as a consolation not until October when they reach the postseason and be like, great regular season, Nick. We need to see this in the postseason. Absolutely. Are you a difference maker? Yeah, and the thing, too, is like DH, you mentioned the holes at right field for years. I mean, since 2019 at DH, too, they are the third worst yeah, team in the MLB. See, and like I was the, in the two, kind of a good mood, and now, now he's just <laughs> And the two teams this. below him are NL teams. That's what we're here for. Um, Vinny, let's put us back in a good mood real quick. How was uh, spring training? What was your favorite thing you saw today uh, live in Glendale? Spring training is very nice. The weather is fantastic, obviously. Yeah, we get it. So I think the, my favorite thing that I saw today at spring training was the sun. But uh, no, I'll give you this. I'll give you this. You know who looked great today? Garrett Crochet. Garrett Ooh. Crochet looked excellent today in both his uh, bullpen and live BP. Uh, again, it's a one-day snapshot in the middle of March, but Garrett Crochet looked very good uh, in, in live BP. And I'll just say this, the uh, as Herb pointed out on Twitter, uh, the Dallas Keuchel home run that he gave up to Josh Harrison just as good news for Josh Harrison as it might be bad news for Dallas Keuchel. So was it the that? was can, it the zip on Crochet? What was it? You know, what stood out about him? Yeah, he uh, he had a really nice at bat against Larry Garcia uh, in live BP, which he struck him out. And I think uh, after after the session was over and and Crochet came off the field, Larry even went up to him and was like, "Ooh." That was nice. <laughs> so, yeah. And That's Eloy, Eloy, I did not get video of this one, but Aloy hit a home run off of Lance Lynn that, you know, might have ended up in New Mexico. That was dead center, banged off the batter's eye. That was awesome. Bomb. Yeah, we love to see that. And we want to see more from that from uh, Eloy, your buddy, your mustache friend uh, out in Arizona. <laughs> Thank you, as always, Vinny. You can follow him on Twitter, at Vinny Duber. You'll get a lot of spring training updates there. He just released a new article about Tim Anderson speaking about Jose Abreu's future with the White Sox. Go check that out at allchgo.com. You can only check it out there. It's exclusive. It is exclusive. Those comments are exclusive to Vinny Duber. So great work today, Vinny. We will talk to you tomorrow. Again, follow him on Twitter, at Vinny Duber. The man in the green shirt over there, the lucky Illini. That's Herb Lawrence. You can follow him on Twitter, at Ecknerwall23. You can follow CHGO White Sox on Twitter, at CHGO underscore White Sox. CHGO Sports on Twitter, at CHGO underscore Sports. I'm Sean Anderson. You can follow me on Twitter, at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. And our guest, we have to thank our guest, Last but not least, Josh Nelson. Follow him on Twitter, at SoxMachine underscore Josh. Did you have a fun time, Josh? It was a blast. Thank you guys so much. I'm happy for you guys getting started, and uh, hopefully we have a lot of exciting baseball to talk about in 2022. And hopefully we have Michael Conforto to talk about at some point in a White Sox uniform. Josh, great work as always. Thank you, and, and, and shout-out to Jim Margulis as well. Sox Machine does a fantastic job. SoxMachine.com. Go check out their great work, their great podcast. Fantastic stuff from Josh and Jim over at Sox Machine. This has been CHGO White Sox, the CHGO White Sox podcast presented by PointsBet. Use code CHGO to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000. For Vinny, Herb, Josh, and Sean, and our great producer, Steven, we will see you tomorrow.